I'm not doing this thing. We're not doing video on yeah. murder casserole. That's not something that we do here. Uh-huh. You know why? I don't know. I thought something would come to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't want to look nice for a camera every day. I don't think this would translate oh, God, well to no. camera. I don't like watching podcasts. Do you like watching them on like... God, you, no. No, why? I don't find... Like, I don't it's know. It's always awkward. It's, it's awkward to watch. I like listening to it because you have nothing else but the conversation to make sense. Yeah. You know, and that's all you need. And I think that there's something nice about that. But I don't know, man. I don't like to watch like... I listen to a lot of comedians' podcasts, but I'm not going to fucking watch a two-hour taped version of it. Yeah. That's silly. Plus, like, part of the joy of a podcast, I would think, is that you don't have to watch it. You can just have it going yeah. while you do other things with your life. Oh, yeah, that's the nice thing. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a distraction, but it's also their thought-provoking, but they work very well for multitasking, Yeah, which I'm bad at. Like, I very rarely just sit and listen to a podcast and do nothing. It's usually yeah, drive I, in when I'm working. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you work. Ew. I, which I do. I you do You guys work. stop that. I would love to. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> if you want to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> Dahlia is co-signing, apparently. Well, I mean, first it. I would need to, like, make money myself. Yes. You, we and would then I could sponsor to, things. Well, I would love for you to sponsor it, but I was putting that out into the audience. Oh, okay. I see. Of if I have any wealthy... If there are any uh, wealthy murder heads, casserole heads, that's what it's going to be. Because the murder heads is too... There's too many podcasts with the word murder in them. Yeah. This has true. become a corporate like spitball session for me. I hope you're cool with that. You oh, have, absolutely. You're consulting now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I'm a professional after cas- all. Are you... Oh, yeah. Professional in, uh, like, PR? Uh, yeah, I'm a professional consultant. Oh, well, aren't we all? Yeah, I, I don't help it. people with anything. No, but But consulting. I will consult. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> the easiest job title to, to bullshit. If you're like, I'm a consultant. Well, what does that mean? It means I fucking consult. Exactly. Talk to me. Talk to me about so, anything. So what do you do? It's like, I come into places, and then I talk to them about <laughs> things they could do better, and then I fucking leave. Exactly. I guess. Is that how it works? I, I'm pretty sure that's what a consultant yeah, does. Yeah, I don't know about it. I'm not sure of how you, like, convince people to pay you for it, but... I'm not sure either. Because I've been telling people how to do things that they're already doing my whole life. Yeah. Um, but they don't usually pay me for it. No, usually... They usually just get upset. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> these are people who have monetized those that skill though, which yeah. is nice. Consultants, I guess. But I guess I that's what I'm makes you a good that. consultant. Like if you can convince people to pay you to tell them how to do something they're already doing. I suppose you're right. That that is a unique skill set. Yeah, you got me there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit. Well, hey, let's do an intro real quick. <laughs> <laughs> That was a nice cold open. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. that. I like that. That was fun. Uh, so, hey, everybody. Welcome to Murder Casserole. This is a true crime podcast with me, Colin Maddox. Here we are. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing through some allergies, but that's okay, because I have a fantastic guest here from our awesome comic out here from Portland, Oregon, Mixed Dahlia Bell. That's me. Woo! How you doing today, Dahlia? Uh, I, I'm also pushing through whatever is in the air. Oh, man. Loving it. Yeah, everyone sounds like shit this week. Well, you know, what I would think it is, is that it got 
really nice and warm earlier in the week, and then it rained a little bit, like yesterday, and then it got nice again. So stuff bloomed, then it got wet. Oh, uh, again. So yeah, I got so it's like wet there's bloom. a lot of yeah. I can only imagine there's a lot of uh, kicking off of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know though. I'm not a. I'm not a uh, an allergenologist. Yeah, we we should find a consultant, like oh. an allergy consultant. We should we what. should find a consultant. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Well, yeah. hell yeah! I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we got you on the pod over here on the cast. Oh yeah, this is a great pod. Oh, yeah, thank I'm really you. liking it. It's a classy pod. It's classy pod. I like to make it homey because I have no room for a proper, you know, studio or equipment like that so I like to be like hey come sit in the lazy boy I mean this looks proper enough it's nice I like having my desk and my little hospital table here yeah. I like my setup I'm happy with it yeah it's classy these are my affirmations yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing sometimes I just say something and then I look at you and we start laughing it's nice <laughs> uh, you're the host we're going to talk a little bit about comedy because I love seeing you on stage I love seeing you uh, do like you ride on like an ex- I saw you ride on like an expression once and just do like like seven minutes at like e- Misfits. Oh yes. On just like uh, it was uh, was it who could use the N word? Oh yes. You yes. had like a nice long thing and I don't want to focus on it, but I loved it. I was laughing my fucking ass Aww, off. Thank I just you. wanted to tell you that. Uh, I think you're hilarious. You were nice enough to put me on at your show. Of course. I love hearing you talk about murder. Oh, oh, geez. Well, hey, buckle up, because that's (laughs) what we're doing today. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah, it's a great time. I like like seeing you out at shows. I like doing your show. That was a damn good time. And uh, I just think you're hilarious. So so tell me, I don't know that much about you as a person, though. Oh, I'm not a person. That's Not a person? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> no, so well, my notes have that. <laughs> I did, I did, I did some research, and I had the mixed alley bell was indeed a person. Uh, and what what sort of human things were you hoping to ask? I don't know. Him? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up all over the place. This, all over the place. Yeah, this is why no one actually knows anything about me. These are yeah. these are the honest answers to to my people questions. Right on. Yeah, uh, I, I I moved all over the place as a kid. Um, not because like my dad was in the military or anything heroic like that. Mm-hmm. He he worked in advertising, uh, so same lifestyle kind of, except without the like medals or awards or respect. Just yeah. <laughs> just moving around a lot. Just moving around a lot and selling. Yeah, it's a shitty to shitty towns. Yeah, because regional. Brands need marketing. Exactly. You know, in regional companies, I imagine there's a big market for people who are willing to leapfrog about. Exactly, and, and ruin consult. their children's lives. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem fun. No. But then there was a part of me, there's a part of everybody that, you know, the grass is always greener, you know, because I remember thinking, hearing about kids that moved around a bunch, and I was like, oh, how cool would it be to be in like. Colorado for a year and then go to New Mexico for a year and shitty. That's, yeah, I that's, imagine that's that, what it's it, like. practically I imagine it's very shitty. Yeah. But also you had to imagine that I was in Iowa and just oh, being, God. Yeah, being that's elsewhere worse. seemed cool. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Sometimes it, it works both ways. No. You know, I had the stability of a hometown, which is nice. But now that I know that you grew up in Iowa, yeah. like I I would envy me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa wasn't uh, that, but it's gotten so much worse. <laughs> is the thing. 
Uh, <coughs> it's part of the reason I left. But yeah. hey, 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 that's the whole thing. This isn't a this isn't a Iowa politics podcast. That, that's that's true. This is a murder case. Yeah, we don't we want don't want to alienate all of your listeners in Iowa. I've got a handful. Um, I imagine a few, you know, and we've had Iowa guests on uh, that we do over Zoom, which is pretty fun. Oh, nice. It's a good time. <clears throat> I know a lot of comics back there from what I was doing. Stand up in the good old IA. Well, here's a question I like asking people who have been a lot of places. Do you have like a regional food, like a food item that you can't get elsewhere in the country that is like a specific to a place? Oh. Yeah, that that's that's multi-layered for me. Yeah. Um I guess honestly my favorite regional food that I have not seen anywhere else um chicago everyone talks about the deep ditch dish pizza Correct. i don't like it okay. uh, yeah i when it comes to pizza my favorite pizza is actually um the east coast style like new york philly honestly i think philly has better pizza than new york oh shit i know Those are fighting words i know i honestly people. prefer philadelphia's pizza wow. to new york's um what chicago has though is um Catfish and spaghetti. Oh. Yes. And not familiar. Yeah, of course not. Have, have you spent a lot of time in Chicago? Actually, yes. And you never had catfish and spaghetti? Never had catfish and spaghetti. I don't even think the, the whole pizza debacle with yeah. Chicago. I think authentic, like deep dish is, is Chicago's thing, but you can get it elsewhere pretty soon. Yeah, exactly. Authentic Chicago style pizza, I happen to think is thin crust and like cut into squares. Like, huh. uh, it's closer to like, because there's like a, where I grew up in the Quad Cities, which is like three hours west of Chicago has like a specific style of pizza. I'm putting quotes around it. You listeners can't see it. <laughs> okay, I see. But it's a thing where you cut it into strips, like rectangular slices, and all the toppings are under the cheese. Yeah. Yeah, okay. you assemble it a little bit differently. And taco pizza was invented in my hometown area. But you see, um, but that's not like Chicago, Chicago. No, 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 no. But in Deep Dish is its own thing. But no, catfish spaghetti, I've not, I'm not familiar. Yeah. I felt, thought you were going to talk about like an Italian beef or something oh like no that. no no catfish and spaghetti it you can only find it like in the heart of chicago like you actually have to be in chicago proper to find it and it's served in a very specific way it's served in a styrofoam clamshell okay um you have a, a big old um generous fillet of fried catfish Ooh. on top of spaghetti with a mysteriously spicy marinara sauce. Okay, I'm into this. Um, and because it's the Midwest, it comes with a slice of white bread mm-hmm. and JoJo's. That sounds wonderful. And for those of you not in the Midwest, JoJo's are just very thick potato wedges. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that that was a word for... that's. I'm from the Midwest, yeah. and I did not know that that was a word I have for lived it. in the Midwest too many times. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah. Different, so you were in Chicago? Chicago. Um, spent a lot of time in Wisconsin, uh, all throughout Wisconsin, yeah. and uh, Indiana. Oh, interesting. Okay, so little, that's the tri-state of the Midwest. <laughs> like Exactly. Yeah, those are the three big ones. That people, well, people more talk about Ohio, but Ohio belongs to like three... Ohio is regions. the East Coast, though. Isn't it weird? Because they're like, yeah, Eastern Ohio is like Rust Belt, and it's like Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's like Yunes go there. And then like Southeastern Ohio turns to like Appalachia. Exactly. And then the rest of it is like 
fucking the Midwest. It's like farmland. So it's three different regions. Yeah, like, I, I just, I've never really thought, like, I know a lot of people claim Ohio is the Midwest. I, yeah. I don't think of it that way. I don't think it can totally. It's not it, really yeah. a Midwestern it's, state. It's faceless is what. Ohio. That's why nobody cares that it's poison land now. Exactly. <laughs> That's why nobody cares that it's America's Chernobyl. Which, exactly. If it was going to happen to anybody, I would say I would have rather it happened to Nebraska. Yeah. You know. So that but, something uh, interesting would be there. Well, yeah, but then I guess the negative side of that is you, you pretty much to drive anywhere cross country, you end up going, you can go around it if you go northern route. But Nebraska's really just a drive-through state. Yeah. So if you're on a trek anywhere, you're just driving through. I think I managed... But wouldn't it go out? Because it is like dead in the middle. I'm pretty sure I've managed to never be in Nebraska. Never be in Nebraska? I I think I've pulled that one off. You're not missing a whole lot. I know I'm not. (laughs) I will say the cities are fun. I had good times. Lincoln is apparently amazing. Lincoln and... uh, I had one of my best sets ever in Lincoln. Uh, Wonderful time. Wonderful time. Uh, I've talked about it before, it was, and Omaha the night prior, the, before that was also great. Um, oh yes, Omaha is in Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. All I ever think about with Omaha are the steaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fun fact: the Omaha airport, it's in Iowa. That's really strange. It's across the river in Iowa. That why? Just didn't have room for it. Land is cheaper in the Hawkeye That's state. Hilarious. <laughs> I learn something new every day. There you go. There you go. Well, real quick, what's another thing that I you do you, you enjoy true crime stuff? Oh yeah, I, I I I'm a bit of a crime buff. Crime buff. All yeah. right. What, what what led you there? How'd you get there? Um, I moved around a lot, which meant I, I spent a lot of time alone as a kid, mm. and that means you research serial killers too. It's much, true. Yeah. Because what else are you gonna do? Yeah. It's true, it's true. Did you do it like, I know there are some people, and I wonder if this was my impulse at first, but I truly do find it fascinating. I think when I was in like junior high and first started reading about serial killers, yeah, I think yeah. I kind of did it to be edgy a little bit. Oh, like definitely. I a, like, I had a little bit of ulterior motives. I was a little like, I was goth adjacent. I, I, I definitely went, went with the edgy thing. Yeah. I was an emo kid, though. I was emo adjacent. I was like second gen emo. Oh, so. fun! So like you're listening to like my chem. Oh no, that's like third. That, oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So you. Were so like, I was like Blink One Eighty Two. I, I was into emo back when it was still punk, more punk adjacent. Okay. So you know, uh, wow, this is gonna be the douchiest conversation I've had do in it, a minute. Uh, <laughs> I want it. So. Yeah, my favorites were like uh, Fugazi, mm. uh, the more obscure ones, like Today's My Super Space Out Day. Nope, not familiar. Yeah, bands with really weird artsy Long. names and and Can complex chord progressions that you... Yes, of course. Okay, Booster great. Exactly. So yeah, you know okay, the okay. era. I know this stuff. I know. I was listening to a bunch of the replacements. Yeah, yeah. I was big into. You feel uh, me? REM and stuff. Yes. That's more like the take themselves serious side. Exactly. REM's like for the kids who are re- really think they're on to something. Yes, which is me. <laughs> which yeah. is great. Exactly. I was very pretentious. By the way, artsy kids who are into <laughs> stuff like I don't know what the modern day equivalent to REM is. It's... Maybe like Vampire Weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What the kids are into. Yeah. I don't know as much. I sure do like that Olivia Rodrigo. I think she's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> but uh, let's, you know what, let's let's get into this murder. This is a little bit of a different one than what I've talked about. We've done a little couple of one-offs, but this is really just one murder that had, was unsolved for a long time and is still, uh, while I think it's officially solved now, it is very unresolved, I think. Ooh. So this t- subtitle, and I talked about this for the Leopold and Loeb episode, which I believe is coming out tomorrow. Check us Stay out. Stay tuned for we, that. We drop episodes one every week, you casserole heads. We drop them on Wednesdays every week. So check that out. Make sure you keep on integrated market every wednesday every wednesday we will not miss one uh but anyway so the the subtitle to this could be some more rich kid bullshit so this is like going to be a lot of eye rolling at the rich whites because this is a bad one for them (laughs) so this is a case that was cold for a long time and it was especially gnarly because uh the victim was who in the world of true crime would be are you familiar with the theory of the less dead no. So the idea of the less dead is that they're people who are often targeted, uh, the targets of serial murderers, because they are society's least valued individuals. Oh. So oftentimes people of color. Yeah, um, prostitutes are a great sex option. Workers, yeah. Yes, um, uh, members of the LGBT community yeah. over the course of time. You know, there's a, a long group. Uh, the victim of this would be the opposite end of that spectrum, the most dead. She was uh, a girl from a a cute young white girl from a very wealthy family in a wealthy part of the country. That's risky. But here's the thing. The murderer, uh, who I believe is the murderer, from an even wealthier, more powerful family. Ah. So we are talking today about the murder of Martha Moxley. Are you familiar with this case at all? I, I know the name, yes. but I don't so know the details. This is a case from 1975 where Martha Moxley was a 15-year-old girl living in Greenwich, Connecticut, who was found murdered on Halloween morning in her own front yard. Um, and the reason it has kind of popped in and out of the news at different times, including just re- as recently as the last couple of years, is because of the person accused and who I think is going to, you know, we'll, we'll get into the whole story, but I'm going to spoil at the top. <laughs> the person who I believe, and I, and I think any rational person who takes in all this information would believe, is that Michael Skakel murdered Martha Moxley when he was also 15 at the time. And now the reason uh, it pops up is because Michael Skakel is the son of Rushton Skakel. Rushton Skakel is the brother of Ethel Skakel Kennedy, the widow of Bobby Kennedy. So she is also sister-in-law to JFK. Yeah. So they are connected to the Kennedys. That's why this pops up. The Skakel family, like the Kennedy family, extremely, extremely wealthy. Yeah. Very proper Irish Catholic, politically involved, uh, business and commerce involved family. So, but let's let's wind and back real, a little real bit. murder connected. The real murder connect. That's the thing is that uh, this ties into the whole Kennedy curse because we're gonna find out that the Skakels may very well be worthy of like being called cursed as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. We sound great. I think us. we sound great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of this. We're getting that. This is great. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we got uh, uh, so so Martha Moxley was born in 1960. Her parents were Dorothy and David Moxley. She was born out there in in San Francisco. Oh yeah, 
Yes, very well-to-do family. She's got an older brother named John. So the opposite of Connecticut. Opposite of Connecticut, exactly. Uh, I believe uh, Dorothy had been a nurse for a while, and uh, David, I believe, was a lawyer. And uh, eventually, when uh, Martha was about 14, so about a year or so, a little bit more from the murders... Uh, the murder, sorry, uh, he got offered a job at a big firm in New York and decided to take it. And like many well-off people who work in New York, they decided to settle the family in Greenwich, Connecticut, because it's relatively close by, yeah. I think. Uh, I've never been there. Have you been through Connecticut? No, I'm not rich. <laughs> it is. It is a very rich... The, the Greenwich is an extremely affluent town. Yeah. It's one of the... At the time in the 70s, it was one of the richest zip codes in America. You know, it's uh, these are these are some wealthy people that we're talking about. So uh, 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 also uh, born in uh, 1960 was Michael Skakel. Now he was the fifth of seven kids in the Skake this branch of the Skakel family. Like I said, his dad, his name was uh, Rushton. He was the sister of Ethel Kennedy. And uh, uh, Skakel's mother, uh, Michael Skakel's mom, had died in 1973. So two oh, years wow. before the murders, she had brain cancer and unfortunately had died. And then after that, the father, Rushton, uh, by all accounts, really fell apart and descended into alcoholism and left his seven kids pretty much unsupervised with a whole bunch of money at their disposal and a whole bunch of booze. I mean, it is tradition. It's tradition. This is very similar, and I've compared it to other ones. Uh, the case that's uh, recently just wrapped up in the news in that South Carolina, uh, the Murdaws. Oh, Are yeah. you familiar with that? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, yeah. That's the case. Um, the guy murdered his son and his wife. But it's this is a very similar kind of deal. But if the uh, son had turned out to be the murderer instead of the father... Um, so, uh, yeah. So the Skakel family, super well-known... In uh, Greenwich and in this uh, the the neighborhood where they live, this place called Bellhaven. Uh, so not only because uh, all these places are just rich names, they're like, so rich and white, and it's like if you look at pictures of these, they're they're estates. This is a very wealth. They're mansions yeah. that all these people live. Like in. you can tell just by the name of certain places. But this is so interesting because when you read about these cases, the book that I uh, read for research into this is called Green Town by Timothy Dumas. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Dumas. Or Dumas. Um, <laughs> let's go Dumas. Let's go with Dumas. I sound like a hick if I say Dumas. But uh, but he uh, basically spends a lot of a good amount of the book talking about the wealthy roots of this you know area and uh, also how you know every true crime book that takes place in an affluent place. Or just a nice place that where white conservative people live. Let's yeah. put it that way. Same thing with uh, Holcomb, Kansas, which is the town in, in Cold Blood, oh, yeah. where all that happened. People are always going, oh, this type of thing never happens here. It's like, the thing that I think is important about talking about these cases is like, yes, it fucking does. Oh, yeah, all Rich the time. people murder people of far more. Like, you yeah. just think, that to say that this is a community where murder doesn't happen is to say... Only poor people murder each other. Yeah, which is not true. <laughs> which is demonstrably false. Demonstrably yeah. false. It's very. This is a, so. That's why I like talking about these. It can be so like. I listen to the audiobook of uh, Green Town at work mostly because I'm a I'm a custodian, so I got a lot of time to just listen to stuff while I'm, you know, hitting that mop, <laughs> making that mop sing, Dahlia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, when I listen to it. 
there was just, uh, uh, just the amount of outrage of people being like, Wait, this would never happen here or whatever. And I'm just like, ugh, it just makes your eyes roll. Yeah. Like every time. And a lot of this story is like, oh, these fucking rich people. And we'll talk a little bit about the context of this in a second here. But, um, so they're super well known, the Skakels in town. Everybody knows the Skakels, not just because of their connections to the Kennedys, but also Rushton Skakel's dad was a self made millionaire. And you and, have to, um, to name your kid Rush. Exactly. Rushton Skakel yeah. is the most white, rich piece like, of shit. You have to be rich ever. with that name. How do you get to Rushton? Because <laughs> all the other kids are like George, Jim, Jack, Mike. Like, how do you get to Rushton? Yeah. Unless you're just like, this one's going to be a landlord. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. But I don't like this family. And I, here's the thing I grew up. In a, my extended family is very big, Irish Catholic. My grandmother had a framed picture of JFK hanging on her wall. Wow. Next to Jesus. Like, the Kennedys were a big deal in, like, a lot of Irish Catholic people's lives. Because they're like a success story. Yeah. It's like, we got one as a president. And then you're like, but then he got his head blown off. And it's like... That's <laughs> <laughs> what you get for fucking with the mob. We all know not to fuck with the mob. Yeah. Bobby. Um, but yeah, so it, it's a whole thing with uh, these people. But I remember, you know, I, so I have a passing like affinity that's going away every time I read about a story like this <laughs> for the Kennedys because like you lose the scrappy Irish American immigrant story when you become insanely wealthy enough to help cover up a murder. Yeah. And as we're going to find out later, a sexual assault or two. Um, so, and, uh, yeah. So, also, the family of Rushton Skakel had its own issues. Michael has an older brother named Tommy. Tommy was well-known in town for being an extremely unstable and violent creep. Like, he was known to stare at girls for a really long time and, like, pester them for dates. Not a lot of people really liked him, even though some people said he was cute. And if you look at pictures, a lot of these kids are cute, but they're, like, yeah. cute in, like, a white bread, inbred kind of... Yeah. Like rich Connecticut way. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, they're all wearing, you know, their Oxfords and their fucking khakis and their boat shoes, you know, and they're those kind of people. I'm aware, I'm aware that I'm not dressed super different. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, so, like, like you yeah, are well, dressed no, in this not, Well, okay. I mean, I see you here with your crush velvet. Like, exactly. Yeah. Well. You're looking amazing as well. We're not going to yeah. point fingers. We're, we're class. We're, we know where we come from. Yeah. I know you're, you, you. Advertising, we're, we're not these people. Exactly, we're not shipping magnates and coal magnates. Yeah, you know, we know that. Cool. Uh, so, uh, but anyways, so Tommy was known kind of as a creep, and also apparently uh, he fell out of a car, a moving car, when he was like ten and hit his head real bad. How do you fall out of a moving car? He was roughhousing with his siblings and got pushed up against the door, and it opened. This is the 60s, 70s. Oh, yeah. Child locks. Yeah, know? when we just did not care no, if kids survived. Get out yeah. of there. <clears throat> Connected to the Kennedys, they're kind of supposed to die or young. Um, <laughs> but uh, so apparently after that, he started having like violent mood swings, like violent to the point where to restrain him, his dad rushed and just had to sit on him, which is, you know, not great parenting. Practice. No, no. Yeah. So, um,. On the other end of the, the spectrum in the victim thing, Martha Moxley was known in Greenwich as, for the short time she was there, because they only moved there about like a year or so before the murders, um, she was immediately known as extremely likable, very sweet. Like, I kind of, 
I don't know about you when you read uh, like true crime cases. I've talked about this before, but I kind of end up rolling my eyes a little bit at the like when they talk about the victim being like, oh, they're so sweet. I'm like, well, yeah, no one's going to say that they suck. Yeah, that would be weird. You know, that's kind of the whole point of Twin Peaks, isn't it? Like, yeah, but- I haven't watched it. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I should have. People are just so like, that was just an, an authentic question. You're like, is that the point of Twin? Peaks? Is that the point of Twin? Peaks? I, I don't know. I never saw it. Motherfucker, what are we? <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Uh, no, I don't know. But uh, I think that that's a big thing. Is that like when you make the victim out to be like something of a martyr post death or whatever? It's something in uh, a lot of true crime stuff that end up being like you know just once. I would like someone to say, you know, they were a real dick, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it seems to not be the case with Martha Moxley. And I know, you know, she apparently was a very sweet 15 year old girl. She had a lot of friends. Um, it's actually pretty creepy in the book how much like all the cops in town talked po- and teachers took po- talked uh, postmortem on how like cute she was and what like a nice body like cops made that like a thing in the investigation I mean it was also the 70s it was the 70s it was gross but she's 15 man like again the 70s yeah the 70s were real it's just it's a lot so Tommy at 17 when Martha was 15 and that also means she probably picked on the ugly girls a lot uh yeah I wouldn't be surprised yeah I don't know. I'm just going to put that conjecture out there, and, you know, and then we can move uh, on. I, I don't... Yeah, okay. No, no character assassination of the murder victim. No. But, but just put let, that out Let's there. let that there for the, the viewers to interpret as they may. <laughs> uh, but uh, Tommy uh, Skakel apparently had tried to get with Martha for a little while before the murder, and uh, according to her diary, it seemed like she was kind of hemming and hawing and not really that interested. Um, Also, a guy uh, named Ken Littleton started as a a tutor working for the Skakel family because all of their grades were fucked up because this is a crew of uh, Rushton Skakel. The dad's out hunting all the time. That's where he is when this murder happens. So his seven kids are just constantly, like, getting drunk and fucking shit up and not doing their homework. So... He hires a tutor, this guy Ken, to come, and he started the very night of the murder. He started and that's when work that you night. know you're rich. Yeah, he you're hired like, a could, live-in tutor. I could stay home and help my kids with their homework, but nah. I'm gonna go to the woods and <laughs> shoot an elk. Yeah, and uh, I'm a job creator. One of the, <laughs> and one of my kids is gonna murder uh, uh, a uh, a neighbor girl. Um, so let's talk some context, some history about this. Uh, Timothy Dumas, Dumas uh, makes it very clear the kind of like breakdown of the social order in Greenwich because it seemed well defined at the time, like of what ethnicities were cool, what were at the top, and who was in the middle. So, and it became, it seemed that town was, like, defined by prejudice and income. And as a matter of in fact... In America? You, in one of the richest <laughs> in suburbs of New York in America. And a lot of people, and people have thought the answer to this because it was uh, cold for so long, was like, oh, some fucking 
minorities must have come into town one weekend and just killed her and left. That must be the answer. That was like fielded. Because we all know that's how. That's how, how that works. works. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you always go above. You oh, know, it makes all bracket. the sense of the. Yeah. the <laughs> and also, this was a. We're going to get to the murder in a second here, but the uh, murder was pretty sloppy, you know, by all accounts. I don't think you know. It's it's not. It wouldn't be hard to rule that out, pretty much from the get. Yeah. But um, in any rate, basically, rich wasps are at the top, obviously, and then very close in second are the Irish, because a lot of the Irish are cops in this town. So, bing, bing, bada, boom. So, those are the two top. Skakels are both. Like, they're connected nice. to the Kennedys, and they're also, like, rich as fuck. So, and then you got, you got the, the Italians and the Polish are considered, like, low class at this point. That's how low class this gets. It's like, are they yeah. Hispanics or Asians or black people? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, 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 we We, 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 we stop the, the spicy whites. Yeah. <laughs> So there was almost no homicide in Greenwich before this. So the police department and all of the detectives are no experience in solving homicides in any way. They're all fucking greener than a blade of grass in the spring, (laughs) Dahlia. Uh, So you couple that, you know, murders just didn't really happen in this place that they knew of. Uh, yeah. Really. There I think they were said there had been one like five years prior and it was very clear who had done it. So it was like very somebody confessed like immediately. So let's get into the actual murder. So on Devil's Night, October thirtieth, nineteen seventy five, Martha went out with some of her friends to do some of that nice nineteen seventies harmless teenage fun, like beer drinking and house TPing. <laughs> That's a good time. I wrote that specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I used to take not very, like, literal notes, but it's nice. Uh, okay, so at some point, Martha found herself at the Skakel home, which was very close to her own. You know, it was like two houses down, like, you know. Um, so Tudor Ken Littlewood had finished his, his, his first day of work for the Skakel family, and he had decided to unpack his stuff up in his room and uh, watch The French Connection on TV. You know, so uh, eventually, uh, apparently, Tommy Skakel that night, uh, all the kids were hanging out, and then a bunch of the Skakels go over to a cousin's house that's kind of out in the country, and uh, Martha does not go with them. And apparently, uh, Tommy Skakel had been in that car. Uh, prior to it leaving, someone had said Tommy had kissed Martha and was trying to, like, touch her leg in the car, and she kept pushing his hand away or whatever, and apparently, stories conflated, at first it was said Michael Skakel was not there and that he had gotten in the car and gone to his cousin's house in the country, mm-hmm. but then later, somebody reneged on that story and said, oh no, he was there when his older brother was kissing on Martha, and some people think that maybe Michael had a big old crush on Martha, who was his age. They were been the same grade at least, and okay. knew each other at school. But I don't think she paid him any mind. And here's his older brother hitting on her. This is my this is conjecture on my end, but okay. I could see this kind of happening. And I also think it tends to be Timothy Dumas's uh, estimation of what's going on. So. Um, Eventually, the teens all kind of fall away, and uh, Martha takes off for home. Now, later, it's revealed when they ask Michael Skakel what happened years later when he's trying to clear his name, because a lot of people end up thinking that uh, Tommy Skakel, the older of the two, mm-hmm. is responsible because he was violent and had outbursts, and after the murder, he kind of falls apart. 
So people assumed he did it and harassed him about it. But apparently what happened between the two of them is that he kissed her, she reciprocated, they went into the Skakel's backyard, and they did hand stuff to each other. Okay. Uh, they jerked each other off to orgasm. They said both. Oh, and wow. Like, yeah, that's he, that's he, very specific. He seemed to make a point that he was like, I came and she came. We were good at it. We were good at it. Like, trust me. Like, <laughs> And I had done it before. Like, so, uh, But anyway, um, basically all of the teens... Uh, have fallen away at this point. There's some conjecture to maybe did Michael Skakel see this happening because it was in his backyard, you know? Uh, And he said later that what he did that night was he uh, was horny and couldn't sleep. So he snuck out of his house. He tried to go, uh, this is Michael Skakel, the younger one. He tried to go to this house uh, around the corner where he knew he could see uh, a woman undressing. So he went up into this tree and just jerked off in the tree. He said this like years later, and uh, to clear his name, to clear his name, just this so is his clear. alibi. Okay, so and his alibi is committing a sex crime. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> is cool, peeping cool. and jerking off in a tree. Yeah, <laughs> and then he went to Martha's house and threw rocks at her window, trying to get his attention, her attention. So he admits he must have had something of a crush on. Yeah, her, so he was he, like, I was busy doing other creepy things. Yeah, like exactly. And then when he couldn't see her, uh, he did that and went home. And he said he was a little drunk and a little stoned. But, uh, you know, he just went, ended up going home and going to bed. Um, so Martha takes off from her friends and seems like she's going to walk home that night and her friends say goodbye. And that's the last time she's seen alive. The next morning is Halloween. Martha never came home. So Dorothy, uh, which Dorothy seems like she was a cool mom. She was kind of like, I understood if she would have gone to a party and drank some beers with boys. But I would expect if... And done uh, some hand stuff in the backyard. done some hand stuff, maybe. Uh, I don't ask. But then, you know, I would expect if she was not going to be home in the morning to have called. So she starts calling her friends, see if she knows where it is, uh, if anybody knows where Martha is. And then some of the friends and the moms come over to the Moxley house to help out, to support Dorothy, because she's starting to get worried. And then one of her friends uh, decides to leave and just take a look around the house and finds in the Moxley's yard under a big tree Martha's body uh, maybe 20 feet from her mother's bedroom window. What? Yeah. She was under, she was covered with some leaves but uh, yeah she was dead in their own yard they didn't even know she was there. Um, It didn't look like she was murdered there, it looks like she was murdered somewhere between the Skakel and the Moxley homes. Because uh, it looked like she had. Isn't been, that like two houses? Yes, it's very close. Yeah. But they're, I think they were connected by, they were butted up against each other. Because I think it's something like a cul de sac. Yeah. I don't know exactly the layout of the neighborhood is, though. But um, by her positioning, it was clear that she had been dragged, you know, either by her hands or by her feet, um, to where she died and was probably attacked earlier. She'd suffered um, multiple blunt force traumas to her skull appearing to have uh, uh, um, been made by a golf club because there was a busted middle piece of a golf club and also, unfortunately, the jagged broken handle. So whoever um, used it had hit her so hard that the golf club broke. Uh, They never found the head, the top, um, but the handle basically had turned into a dagger and whoever killed her shoved that through her throat. Um, so she had been beaten and, uh, stabbed. Yeah. Um, ugh, yeah, that's rough. 
Um, also, her uh, pants and her underwear were pulled down, but it, and she had bruises on the inside of her thighs. But according to the autopsy, she had not been sexually assaulted um, pre or post mortem. Uh, and in addition to the murder uh, practically happening near their doorstep, the day that they found Martha's body happened to be her father David's birthday. Ah, yeah, just an extra little. I mean, he was a man. That's a shitty, deck. shitty day. Shitty day. Find your daughter murdered on your birthday. Yeah, it would be worse if he was like, man, I've, I'm just not ready to be 45 yet. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and now, like, I'm old and I couldn't. Ugh, it's just, it's horrible. Yeah, it's a because, lot. Because, um. She, yeah, and uh, if you want your heart to break, like, look up a picture of Martha Moxley. She's like a cherub of a child. Um, It's very upsetting that it happened so close to the house because, um, you know, if one thing had went differently and she managed to, like, yell or something, maybe her mother could have been alerted. Maybe another neighbor could have been alerted. But the only thing anybody said they heard that night was maybe a boy and a girl, like, talking in the Skagel backyard. Like, Ken Littleton said he heard a boy and a girl, like, talking, like, and giggling. But it was not hostile. And one of the younger Skagel kids said he heard a... First said he heard a girl, like, gasp. And then later he changed his story after talking to his dad. Rushed in. Uh, oh, no, I just heard a girl, like, giggling. Huh. So... I think See, there this was whole, some... like, multiple stories and constantly changing... Well, it's over time because it very quickly went cold. Because yeah. they, they're fuck-ups, these cops. were yeah. so bad at their jobs. And we're going to get into it in a, a little bit later, but um, it's... Uh, yeah, this is a frustrating crime from top to bottom because of the inactivity of the police and the investigators. And also the money involved... Um, and the people involved being immediately, because people immediately started suspect, like I said, started suspecting that Tommy Skakel yeah. did this. Um, there's a lot of evidence that someone in that house did, and a lot of people think there's gaps enough in the uh, time from the murder to later in the investigation where the uh, uh, stories of the other Skakel kids change. So I think there was some damage control done once Dad got home. Yeah. Um, and we'll see. Eventually, he'll hire a you know massive a a, a private investigation to uh, clear his family's name. Hands up, backfiring. <laughs> but anyways, let's get into some fun facts yeah. about this case. Let's take a break from the investigation. Talk about some interesting side pieces. Side pieces. That's not the word I wanted to use. <laughs> Is it? It, uh, it, it? it works. Yeah. This is now it's called Side Pieces, <laughs> this segment. Um, <laughs> so some think, like I was saying earlier, that the Skagels are just as cursed as the Kennedys. I assume you're familiar with the Kennedy curse. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the idea that everybody dies. You yeah. Know, everybody dies in some horrible way. A lot of it involving plane crashes or guns. Um, so Michael's grandparents, the Skagels, like I said, they, they died in a plane crash. Uh, you know, Which is amazing because, like... It's so rare to die in a plane crash They're to begin very with. Few, yeah. Now this was the night 
1960s, maybe late 50s. I don't know if it was more common at the time. I have an anxiety. I don't like flying. I don't really have a fear of it. I can yeah. do it if I need to. But I love reading about famous plane crashes. Yeah. Like, I've read the story about the, the, the Leonard Skinner one a bunch because I actually kind of think it's kind of funny. Uh, like, sorry, Leonard Skinner fans, but like. <laughs> But, but also, you're, you're a fan of Leonard Skinner. If you so. identify as a fan of Leonard Skinner, <laughs> I also have to imagine you're, like, not cool with the mixing of the races. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry. Like, not at all, actually. But um, I don't know. But I love reading about that one because it just seemed like a horrible uh, thing. But I like reading. But, yeah. Um, and they're not the only ones. Also, they ha- he had an uncle. One of these, uh, the Skakels, one of Rushton's brothers, George Jr., uh, died in a plane crash. Then he was piloting it. He was flying a private plane, and he crashed into a f- side of a mountain in Idaho. Damn. Yeah. Uh, like I said, his mother died of a brain tumor a couple years before the murder. Um, also, the aunt, the, the 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 mother of the cousins they were going to see out in the country that night, that aunt had choked to death like a year prior. Like, there's tragedy just yeah. surrounds that these families. Sucks. Now, this all is coming on, like, the Kennedy curse. I'm sure, like, we could just list off a bunch of them real quick. It was Joe Jr., Kathleen Kennedy. Joe Jr.'s plane blew up in yeah. World War II. Kathleen Kennedy died in a uh, fucking plane crash. You got Rosemary Kennedy, who was just probably autistic, who was lobotomized by yeah. her father and died in a rest home. You got JFK assassination. You got the Bobby Kennedy assassination. You got Ted Kennedy's plane crash that killed one of his staffers, but not him. Then you got Chappaquiddick, where Ted Kennedy killed a young girl. And then you got David Kennedy, one of uh, 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 Bobby's kids who died of an overdose. You got Michael Kennedy, one of other Bobby's kids who died in a skiing accident. And then you got uh, the whole Willie Smith rape case, which is what another Kennedy cousin that we're going to get into in a little bit. <laughs> so uh, there's also so like it just follows these people around and it's it's it, it seems it, it touches other people like mm-hmm. uh, Ken Littleton, for example, the tutor people were the Kennedy family specifically and the Skakel family tried to pin this on him and which tried to sense. straight up say he started that day. He left the next day. And it's like, well, I would probably fucking be like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to be around this because I, this is bad. Like, and and this girl was around last night with these kids and now she's dead and he didn't have anything to do with it, but we'll get to Ken in a little bit. So, um, the curse also had a weird effect as I'm, I'm sure you can imagine on this investigation, you know, uh, with, you know, some of the townspeople, a lot of the townspeople, and some of the cops thinking, oh, this makes perfect sense that a skakel would kill a girl. And then a lot of other people feeling a lot of pity and, like, some camaraderie for the skakels. But meanwhile, like, it's the same thing that kind of happened in the one of the early episodes I did of this podcast with the Velisca Axe murders, which is a Iowa case, where the investigation who it ended up getting pointed at, some theories basically, it was all theoretical, ended up like splitting this town in two, basically. And that's kind of what happened in uh, Greenwich over this. There was like the pro-Skakel camp where you feel bad for them, and you're still not admitting that one of them maybe didn't do it, but you feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then there's the people like, one of the Skakels, probably Tommy, the older brother, is guiltier than sin. Um, and his alibi didn't end up checking out because he said, I was working on a report on this book. And then they asked his English teacher says, we 
weren't doing that book. Oh, like, that's a not a good so, alibi. Yeah. Um, it's also a shame when, like, committing a different sex crime is a solid alibi, but doing your homework, they're like, nah, that's... Well, and that came way later. Falsified. And there's this thing that I think um, one-time rich people murders do as a type of, like, damage control or, like, a pre-damage control or a way to cover their tracks. And a lot of people do this. They'll admit to something not as bad as murder, but gross. Yeah. To make it seem like, well, why would I lie about that? Valid, yeah. You know, that's the thing in, like, the Menendez brothers, which I'm looking forward to covering, because their whole thing that they said was, like, their dad was molesting both of them. Yeah. And that's why they... and, And because they were going to tell somebody about that, their parents were going to kill the Menendez brothers. So they had to kill their parents first. Because that's how... I don't think any of that things was work. <laughs> but how they said something like, my dad uh, was making me suck his dick, so I used to put cinnamon in his coffee so his cum would taste better. Yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, I feel like that's a specific enough lie, Yeah, like jerking off in a tree, Yes, that you thought nobody would question it. Because Just because they don't enough. want any more details yeah. beyond that. <laughs> Which is... a. I guess a decent tactic. People seem to fall for it. Like, there are people who think the Menendez brothers are innocent. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, tr- get on the true crime Reddit, Dahlia, and yeah. <laughs> start some fights. I've started some shit. <laughs> there are people who think OJ didn't do it. It's amazing. How? Uh, I know, right? <laughs> so, also, like I said earlier, another fact. Now, the cops, I'm sure you get this with true crime. Uh, do you find that the more you read, the more you're just like, Wow, cops are really bad at the one thing that we need them oh, to do, yeah, which yeah. is like finding dangerous people and arresting them. Yeah, <laughs> like the one thing that we seem it to is think is not their strong suit. And I really dislike a lot of the like I'm doing a reading a book right now about the Night Stalker because we're gonna oh, yeah. that's a forthcoming episode, and it's uh, a great book, but it is told mostly from the perspective of the cops, and it's really hard to ascertain like an objective view of how they fuck it up yeah be, when so when much it's of so these, obvious well yeah when, when so many of them are like in these cop narratives like in the Netflix series about the Night Stalker it's just like we just couldn't get him and it's just like no <laughs> he's a he left a lot of DNA around yeah like you did. You had him. You also didn't have him quite in your system, and he used different names or whatever. But you didn't like for that one summer. You, it was you like didn't a step like, away from leaving selfies. You didn't go out and scour any communities. You didn't look for known associates. You didn't like. It, it was a whole thing how you could have prevented that. But in any rate, that's not my. There was like you didn't have. It, I'm not gonna. We're gonna talk about. Yeah, no spoilers of future yeah. episodes. Only spoiler exactly. alerts for this episode. Exactly. So. <laughs> So, similarly in this, the cops, like I said, royally fucked up this case. Now, dogs were uh, sniffing around the body, contaminating the scene, like, the whole time. They didn't block off the perimeter, so people were walking all over evidence. So oh, brilliant. If they had just blocked it off from the start, they could have, like, figured out, like, which direction leaves, because it was fall time. Yeah. And disturbed. And they could look at the scene, and if they had a decent, like, Is that what the tape is for? Yes. That's exactly what the tape is for. It's police line do not cross. But uh, <laughs> it's it's staggering how much they didn't do. So uh, they never, like I said, also they never found the, the head of the golf club, the rest of the murder weapon. They said uh, 
well, I guess it's just gone. And they've made it to the point where there's not enough forensic evidence from the time where they've given this case to, like, this guy Henry Lee, who's, like, the top uh, crime scene investigator in terms of, like, figuring out what happens by blood spatter and by, like, you know, the, the how it's hit on uh, the part of the head versus the angle of the weapon and indentations in the skull. Like, he's a, he's a genius. Um, and he's exonerated a bunch of innocent people. Uh, on that he could have figured this out if he had been doing this work like in 1975 or if somebody of his caliber which yeah. you could argue that there probably weren't many no. if any but uh, because the evidence was also like gathered so poorly his stance on this is like we're probably never gonna know like if there was more that had been preserved and then there was like decent pictures of I could kind of get some of the details but here there's just not enough concrete stuff for me to start to base an opinion on um, in terms of like physical evidence pointing towards a suspect. Um, so that's rough. Now, the town of Greenwich was really rocked with the news of this murder. John Moxley, Martha's brother, was told that his sister had been killed when he was at football practice. Um, I feel like in many of these stories, absolutely horrible for the Moxleys. Yeah. They... Every time this has gotten dragged up, they've had to go through it again. And, you know, victims, families, a lot of times talk about how uh, the constant reopening of cases and the search for the truth can be, you know, almost as bad as not knowing. It's yeah. like, it, it just brings all the feelings Because you're back, trying to, like, like move forward and then you're constantly being reminded that law enforcement isn't good at enforcing law. It's 50-50 of, <laughs> yeah. like, murders they solve. It's, like, 50-50 if they get it done. That's, an that's not statistic. a good... No, that's horrible. Success rate. That's horrible. And how many crimes ended up getting solved? Like, cold cases ended up getting... have gotten solved by, like, TV shows. Yeah. Like, you know, America's Most Wanted, like, just being an entertaining true crime show in, like, the early 2000s solved a lot of crimes because yeah. people were into this shit... And, like, they would show the picture, and if you had, they put a number up there. It's just, like, insane. And, ah, anyway, I could rant about that for forever. So, people, like I said, immediately started looking at Tommy Skakel, especially when the murder weapon golf club was kind of traced back to the Skakel home because it was a very expensive brand. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah. But they searched the Skakel's home. What do they find but a golf club set that is missing this specific kind of club that they said was missing and it's this same brand same looking handle and everything. I'm like right there. Yeah, that's real easy. Right there. Somebody in that house did it. Yeah. Somebody who at least was familiar with that house did it. Exactly. Um, It's Come on, like that right there. Like, start talking. Like, that's so easy. They could not get a story out of these kids either, like a straight story out of the Skakel kids. It all messed around, and then Rushton comes back, the dad, and starts throwing his money at lawyers and stuff and being like, nah, you can't talk to him like like this. It has to be under this type of thing. And okay, if there's going to be a polygraph, we will administer the polygraph, and then we will give you the results. And people, he's a fucking Skakel. Which, again, is a weird move. Like, if I'm living with a murderer... I'm not going to cover for them. Yeah, but it's family. Maybe I'm just not that committed to family. I don't think I'm... I don't... I think I would have to have a talk with them and be like, Buddy, just us girls? Yeah. Did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's check. 
chat Let's about the whole murder thing. And then we're going to find the best way to move <laughs> forward after that. Uh, but if, I don't know, if I had a, like, I don't, if I had a son, a teenage son who killed a teenage girl, I'm like, in that specific thing, yeah, I'm turning you in. Yeah. Like, uh, you need to, like, come on. Like, now, if now, you hit her with a car, then... Yeah, maybe we'll Something try to justify done. this somehow. <laughs> or, what I was thinking, if I have a teenage daughter who kills a teenage boy, I'm like, alright, I feel like you probably had a reason. Yeah, that's probably like, justified. That's, I, might, I might help you out with yeah. that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, at any rate, so, uh, now, Rushton comes home from his hunting trip, and he immediately starts going around town. Ironically, he's going around town to try to, like, and I think that, again, this is pre-damage control. Just be like, hey, uh, he would go to neighbors' houses while using a golf club as a cane. What? Yeah. People know that a golf club was used in this murder. Like, it's not... He's walking around with a golf club as a cane, and he's basically just going, hey, I, I just wanted to come by and let you guys know that my kids had nothing to do with this. And I'm like... That is so they beyond did. creepy. So they did. Yeah. Like... I'm like you. It's like the Streisand effect. It's the opposite. It ends up it, making yeah. Like, you you trying to cover it up immediately makes it very easy to see. That you did. <laughs> like, that well, that answers that question. Somebody in your orbit did this. Uh, so <laughs> he would he would say there's no way that they would, he would uh, should take a look at that Ken Littleton guy is what he would say to people though that tutor of ours who left town so cops did look into Ken and it pretty much ruined his life because um, he was not super stay I mean he had issues with depression uh, yeah. before the murder and. Um, he was not super well liked at his summer job, so it was easy to get people being like, "Yeah, Ken's a little like off," because he was kind of an arrogant guy. He had lost his mom or his dad semi recently, and he was trying to take care of his mom who was struggling financially and stuff. So he took this job. He was really not in a great place when this murder happened, yeah. and it's unfortunate because because of that, he then also got it pinned on him just for being in the orbit. And also, when the Skakels and the Kennedys decide to throw their weight behind yeah. and their names behind saying that you did something, uh, Robert uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., who is Michael Skakel's first cousin, wrote a book about this called Framed, because, spoilers, Michael Skakel ends up going to prison for a while. Um... And it's about how, like, he couldn't have done it. And basically points it at Ken Littleton, which is not the case at all. I yeah. don't think. He has a pretty rock-solid alibi. Um, it, he nearly confessed out of stress because he kept they kept giving him polygraphs, Ken. And he kept, the answers kept being like, he would say, no, I did not murder Martha Moxley. But they'd say, well, it showed stress. That's the thing about well, yeah, polygraphs. Yeah, polygraphs It doesn't work. say... Yeah, it doesn't say, is this true or is this false? It just shows if your heart starts beating and then somebody goes, nah, maybe they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, fucking you're accusing me of murder. I'm going to be fucking stressed out. Yeah. Like, it would be weird I don't, if you're I'm not. I'm not cold. Like, that would be... Actually, if you're totally mellow during a police interrogation... Psychopath. Yeah. Like, or, or at least a sociopath. Yeah. You could just take yourself out of it. Nah. <laughs> So uh, it pretty much ruined Ken Littleton's life. He uh, uh, he the repeated arrests and questioning um, made it so he couldn't hold down a job for a very long time. And he has talked about it since then, uh, pretty much triggering his bipolar disorder, 
um, the paranoia. Oh, of, yeah. Like, because people were genuinely following him around and trying well, to yeah. trip him up. Uh, probably people hired by the Skakels and or Kennedys. Uh, and he said it was like he was on having a, like a mental breakdown a little bit. It's horrible. I would also like, imagine that if you were like in a house for the first time and a murder took place there, that might make you a little paranoid moving forward. I wouldn't want to be involved in that at all. No. Yeah. That, that, I can't imagine that being great for anyone's mental health. No. Horrible. And also he's just trying to live a life. But um so, uh, let's see here. What else we got? Oh, so soon, with no witnesses and the only suspects uh, involved in the case having pretty solid alibis, the case went cold uh, very pretty quickly afterwards. So, Rushton Skakel also hired a PI agency to try to clear his family's name. Uh, but it ended up uh, actually kind of backfiring, like I said. So years after the murder, Michael Skakel was involved in a drunk driving incident in which someone got really badly hurt. So he was sent to this place in Maine that was a camp for troubled teens. It's part of the troubled teen industry. Are you familiar with the troubled teen industry? No. So, this is fascinating. It's part of the reason, I think, uh, part of why that slavery thing was on the ballot in the last election out here in Oregon was because this falls under it. So, there's an industry that is still, in some ways, thriving in this country where parents, rich parents, generally put their kids into, like, pseudo privately owned pseudo prisons where they are psychologically abused into like not oh, smoking yes. cigarettes or liking rap music. Yeah, you know, yeah, much. yeah. I heard about this with um, Paris Hilton recently. She was sent to one. Yeah. Yes, she was. I don't know. She might have been sent to the same one as uh, um, as the Skakels. The one that he was sent to was one of the initial ones called Elon School out in the woods of Maine. Um, Elon school killed a kid at one point because they would have group beatings. So the staff of these places weren't psychiatrists. It was all for money. It was all run for profit by people who thought they were like gurus of self-help. These capitalism solid. Yeah. This, this main guy, uh, <laughs> Richie was, uh, he had worked with this group called Synanon, which was like a sobriety cult kind of became a, became a sobriety uh, like fetishizing for jazz musicians and people who were addicted to heroin and you know booze and stuff to get clean but the method in which they would cure you is that they would just put you in the middle of a circle and have everybody shout like your worst feelings about yourself at you like just shame you consistently so like all the reasons why you start doing heroin exactly okay You know, taking the voices in your head that make you do heroin and putting them in the real world, uh, that's going to help. Yeah. Um, so they took that kind of format and applied it to kids who like to smoke weed, basically in the 80s and stuff. And uh, judges were on... Dr. Phil has partnered with a lot of troubled teen uh, centers. Um, Elon School, though, uh, Skakel, Michael Skakel was sent there and endured similarly hellish abuse as other kids. Um, this is a place where they would make kids, uh, if you tried to escape, they would like cool hand Luke you and put like chains on you. And they would, if you talked out of turn too much and had too many infractions, they'd make you wear like a bunny suit and, or they'd make you wear like a pink tutu or they'd make you wear signs. Like if you were a young girl and you were caught doing something bad with a boy, you were made to wear a sign that said, ask me why I'm a, uh, slut. Or something so like that. It's psychological torture. It's psychological abuse and torture. Okay, and cool. these were kids as young as nine that were being sent to the mostly teenagers. And the the staff at these places were former 
patients or residents. Basically, if you graduated, it meant you were brainwashed enough to think all of this was good, and the people who ran them were like, do you want to work here now? And now you get to abuse so other kids. So it's just kids. like trickle-down waterboarding. Got yes, it. exactly. <laughs> it's fucked. Michael Skakel gets dropped into one of these places, and um, basically the staff and other students took part in this kind of punishment called general meeting. And this could be called at any time of the day. Where a staff person would, uh, when they noticed an infraction with another kid, would call, just start yelling, general meeting! And then you'd all go into the mess hall, and a kid would be sat in the middle, and a staff person would say what they did wrong, and the rest of the, in the entire camp is there, all of them are encouraged to start screaming, like, punishing abuse upon that kid immediately. So it's like a bully camp. Yes, it is a, it's bullying your issues out of you. It's tough love, is what they're all calling it. So, this happens to Michael because uh, this guy, Richie, who uh, runs this place, finds out that he is suspected of murdering Martha Moxley. Because the report that Rushton Skakel had ordered from his private investigators ended up um, with a shaky story about um, Michael's whereabouts the night of the murder. Because he said he had gone to his cousin Vitarian's house out in the country, if you'll remember. And then he said, uh, somebody else said he didn't come out there with us. He wasn't there. Uh, um, he stayed at the house. So when they re-asked his story, they got into the, uh, that's when they got, he got into the, I think the uh, masturbation, uh, yeah. sex crime peeping like thing. But I think this was before that. So basically, this guy who's the head of the camp encourages the staff and all the campers to yell, Why did you kill Martha Moxley? Why did you kill Martha Moxley? Like, what happened to her at Michael to try to break him down until he did half-assedly confess? All they could really get out of him was, I don't know. I guess so. Like, I don't remember. Was his thing because apparently I do believe him when they Which say is they not drunk. a confession, not a confession, but they basically uh make him wear a sign that says, Ask me about Martha Moxley, um, ask me why I murdered my friend Martha Moxley, or something like that. So, for the listeners at home, the look on my face right now is the expression on your face as well, so yeah, just- it's utter shock. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's good to see, though. Either <laughs> like, yeah. this shocks you, I guess. Yeah. Um, but this is the thing. There are not um, these camps. Like, there's a. If you listen to last podcast on the left, too, not that long ago they came out with a series on the troubled teen industry that is just the focus of that, and they talk about the murder of Martha Moxley and Michael Skakel in that. But that is a comprehensive look at the system that created these troubled teen homes. And uh, so, if you're interested in hearing more about that, check out that series. Uh, it's worth a listen, I think. Um, so this is the whole thing, but this is, uh, years after, uh, years after he said to appear, Michael had said, um, I'm going to get away with murder. I'm a Kennedy or something to that effect, to that effect. Um, so what happens in the, I believe it was the eighties, the late eighties, early nineties. There's this, uh, Kennedy cousin named Willie Smith. And he's the son of, I believe, Patricia Kennedy, who's JFK and Bobby's, one of their younger sisters. Um, And he is down at the Kennedy compound in Florida. And turns out he goes out to a bar with uh, one of his cousins and Ted Kennedy and uh, meets a girl there whom he takes back and ends up sexually assaulting her on the front lawn of the Kennedy uh, compound. 
there. It's really horrible. Um, he doesn't completely get convicted for that. Ted Kennedy throws his weight into it, saying that uh, he would have heard because he was sleeping in the house. There's a big character assassination for the survivor, which, by the way, I 100% believe that this happened. Oh, These yeah. are rich people who are tangentially connected to a very famous, wealthy, and powerful family. These are the kind of people who, when they know they can get away, and it is knowing that they can get away with it, at least for a while, mm-hmm. um, then they, that is the kind of circumstances that causes someone to do that, I think. So I, I 100% think that that's what went down is the um, sexual assault of that woman uh, by Willie Smith. But because of that, people start looking back into the murder of Martha Moxley. And it's revealed, uh, somebody questions, because uh, I think he said it mentioned it at some point, that Willie Smith had been actually in Greenwich visiting his cousins, the Skakels, oh, in wow. 1975. So maybe did he have something to do with this? So this is years and years later. So it all gets reignited uh, again, putting the Moxleys through this. So they, this is when Rushton Skakel decides to go, no, PI people, clear my family's name once and for all. Find out who did this and find out that my kids didn't. But their report completely falsified everything that Michael Skakel had done at that time, had said at that time, and Tommy Skakel. And that's when they changed their stories. I think actually this was the point where they changed their because uh, Michael Skakel hadn't been looked into before he was sent to Elon School. Okay. And tortured. Yeah. yeah, and tortured, correct. <laughs> but um, he, this is at the time he talks about going into the tree and jerking off and stuff. And this is the time where uh, Tommy Skakel talks about jerking off, uh, having Martha jerk him off, and he jerks her off. That's when all of this comes in. They get their alibis in lock. But the polygraphs that are taken by their own PI team also show inconsistencies. And there's because the story has now changed a couple times, a DA in Greenwich decides there's enough to prosecute Michael Skakel for the case and does so and he is convicted in 2002 of the murder of Martha Moxley which is pretty fucking sick I think also that should have been the end of this story if yeah, you, you would, ask me you would think um, because I think all of the evidence the feelings that seem to be have reverberated which people did say um, I think members of the Skakel family Michael's brothers and other brothers and sisters did talk and and peers did say that he had a, a, a like kind of an obsession for Martha Moxley and if it's to be believed that he also was not really getting along with his older brother Tommy at that time so if it's to be believed that Tommy was moving in on a girl that he had a crush on yeah he's not gonna kill his brother no this blood is thicker than water but he'll kill the girl because he's dumb enough and privileged enough to direct his anger not at his own family and clearly already prone to treetop masturbation treetop masturbation so um i think if you look at the what i think went down on the night of is that let's say um the car goes off to the the tarians the cousin's house and martha decides to go home all of her friends are falling away but she meets up with Tommy Skakel and say what happened between them happened yeah. in the backyard they have this dalliance and they do some some handies yeah. and then she decides to leave I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility for Michael Skakel to have seen that happening and, and, get, pissy. and to get pissy 
and to go downstairs and grab one of his mother's golf clubs because that's who this set belonged to. By the way, think of the golf club. Because if he's off rubbing one off in a tree and then he comes home and his brother is getting one rubbed off by his crush. Yes. He's going to be pissed. Yeah. That's assuming if we think that he did this thing in the tree. I am kind of in the camp of maybe that entire story is bogus and made to look like, like I said, he's, oh, look how honest he's being. I'm willing to accept both. Yeah. I, I'm I guess willing you... to accept that this dude jacks off in trees and... What a time to jack off in a tree. I don't know if I could do that. See, and that's the other thing. Like, it's not actually a good alibi. Are you an acrobat? Like, that's really not a good alibi. No, if you think I don't about think it. it exonerates you in a character way. No, at all. <laughs> no, you're like, oh, so that's just who you are as a person. Yeah, that's okay. rough. <laughs> but, but I think uh, okay. So let's say let's let's go with with, with this move. So he he sees either way pre or post <laughs> tree tree wag. Tree wank. Uh, he uh, sees his his brother getting uh, his his dick jerked off by this crush, and he gets pissed off and he grabs a golf club. The golf club, I think, is the key in this because, yes. like I'm saying, if there's one missing that looks exactly like it of a very specific brand, very sp- I, it's it's a name brand. I think it's like Tony Parma or Tony Penna or something like yeah. that. But nobody else in the area had golf clubs that fancy. Like, they tested it against multiple other things. The murder weapon tells you a lot about it. Yeah. Because it has to be... There's no way anybody could have gotten into the Skakel's house that wasn't a Skakel. Right. And picked up a golf club from this thing that was in, like, a back area of the garage. Also, it's not like they're out being used. The mother, the owner of those clubs, is dead two years. I wouldn't be surprised if these are in storage. Yeah. Even further driving home the point, it was somebody in that house. Exactly. And the other two, the two younger Skagel boys are out because they were kids. I don't believe that they had any motive. Yeah. They, they do have an alibi. The oldest sister, Julie, is the one who's like momming up everybody. I believe she knows more than she's letting on. Probably. And the other brothers are kind of more the golden boys. There's George and there's Rushton Jr. And they're kind of like more chill. But they're also... There's a Rushton Jr. There's a Rushton Jr. That's child abuse. Yeah, I know. It's rough. (laughs) It's roughton. But uh, that's dumb. Uh, But uh, anyway, so I think it's not outside the... I think that that, that... that golf club is everything. And yeah. And uh, the uh, autopsy looked like she was hit in the elbow first. So come up behind and swing. And then she was hit in the head and then multiple times dragged a little bit because the ground was depressed yeah. and then stopped and hit a few more times in the head. Because also what would be the motive for the, the tutor at all? There's no motive. Other than he was... I think what the Kennedys lined up is that he was a pervert. He was a pedophile. And he must have been molesting her. That still doesn't make sense. And murdered her in the th- in the throes of that. But it's it was pretty clear based on her injuries. This is one thing where the injuries can take a lot. The angle of everything. She couldn't have been hit pre-her pants getting pulled down. Or post-her okay. pants getting pulled down. Because of the angle and everything, she was hit on the ground a few times, but the way that it were, it just wouldn't have made sense. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if what Michael tried to do was he hit her and incapacitated her, tried to assault her, and then got scared. Yeah, 
which is much more a 15-year-old kid thing to do yeah. when you have emotion, a 15-year-old kid with emotional problems and too much privilege thing to do is to be like, I'm going to do this. And then you do like the assault, the physical violent assault part, and then you can't bring yourself to the sexual part. Yeah. Um, but then she makes noise and he knows he has to do something with her, so he hits her more and breaks the golf club and then it's jagged and shoves that. They didn't even they didn't even notice that at first. Which at that point, like that's you have to know someone. Yeah. It's to, a crime of passion. To go that extra And nobody mile. else had motive. They she was dating a guy at the time, a lower class Italian boy. Oh, but and they looked at that that was another person whose life was kind of ruined by this for a while, but they were able to exclude him very quickly in an airtight alibi. Yeah. He wasn't even hanging out that night. So He's but was devastated, obviously. But there was nobody else who had any kind of reason to kill this girl other than an obsession with her. Who was the only person known to have like an out and out obsession? She had a lot of suitors, yeah, a lot of callers. But all of the other ones who anybody said, "Oh, so and so liked Martha," they all checked out. Yeah, um, it wouldn't make sense for anybody in the family to have done it. That didn't check out. They all had alibis. David Moxley is in another state. And to be someone with access to this golf club set. So that leaves the Skakels, I think. Yeah. And there's only two real options. And Tommy, I think, you know, this was something that it was almost too easy of an answer for it to be. I think that's too easy to say it was the kid who had violent mood swings. Yeah. Because I do think he was a little bit more popular than... Nobody had really an opinion on Michael. Everybody thought uh, Tommy was either, like, dangerous, cool, or, like, whoa, that kid's a bit weird. Yeah. Like, he's a bit of a creep. It's kind of like the two things. And everybody hung around him because they knew they could get booze out of him. And it still sounds like a lesser motive. Yeah, I don't... Just that you have a crush on this girl, so you're going to kill her. Like, I think it makes much more sense you that younger brother has crush on the girl, sees older brother getting it in. Yeah. Gets pretty jealous, gets pretty mad. Jealousy, something like this, it certainly looks like a crime of passion and what's going to ignite a teenage boy's passion more than, like, jealousy. Exactly. Over, like, a sexual frustration. So I think that's uh, should be the end of this. Now, the 2002 conviction was reversed after uh, Michael Skakel spent about 10 years in prison or so. Um because he is, uh, he was apparently, something was filed as an appeal with a new lawyer saying that he did not require, he didn't get adequate defense, which is bullshit on the basis of uh, the Kennedy fact that he's a Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, I, that's absolute <laughs> bullshit. Um, but then I, there was no new evidence gun, but they, it just went, the, he had good enough new lawyers, I guess, and he had enough weight tossed behind him with the Kennedys. Also, that's is, that cannot be underestimated. Yeah, JFK or JFK Jr. RFK Jr., who is also by now, here's why we should maybe doubt what he says about his cousin, because he's now, he's also a noted anti-vaxxer. <laughs> like, he wrote a, his other book, if you look up, uh, trying to find this, uh, his book that he wrote about this case uh, on Audible, which I wanted to read it almost, kind of, but yeah. I, I had too much of the Kennedy and Skakel content. Um, uh, you can also find his book about the, I think it's called like the Fauci hoax or something wow. like that. Yeah, like, yeah, he's swung a lot farther right, uh, which is sad, kind of, because Bobby Kennedy was an all right dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was I mean, granted, he was the only all right. He was the only all right Kennedy. He was certainly the top. Yeah. Like, 
JFK would have done a lot better to listen to Bobby Kennedy a bit more. Yeah. But also, if you ascribe to any Kennedy conspiracy theories that the mob had anything to do with it, it was kind of Bobby's fault. Shouldn't have been such a cop cop trying to impress everybody. <laughs> anyway, so um, the uh, conviction was reversed, and then it was ordered that he was going to get a new trial by order of the Connecticut Supreme Court. Um, then a different judge ruled that there was overwhelming physical evidence from the first trial that this conviction makes total sense. Yeah. So there was a re-reverse and he was reconvicted. And then, um, but he was out on bail. He, they, he was let out on bail because it was ordered that he would get a new trial. Um, so uh, that was the next ruling. So he got out on bail and then it was just revealed that he was not going to get a new trial semi-recently they just said he's not being retried for this so he's technically still in legal eyes convicted but he's not i don't think he's in prison it's weird how hard it was to look this thing up which is why i think there's some like dark shit going on with this because if you just google is michael (laughs) skakel in prison 2023 the most recent thing you get, uh, okay, Skagel served more than 11 years in state prison after he was convicted of the murder in 2002. He was freed on an appeal in 2013, claiming he did not receive a fair t- trial, and ultimately, the chief's state, the chief state's attorney declined to prosecute Skagel again on October 31st, 2020. So, ordered a new trial, and then the prosecutor just kind of went, nah, I'm going to do that. So he's out. He's free. That's how the story ends. It's fucking bullshit. Like, there's nobody in prison right now for the murder of this 15 year old. It's almost like. Essentially, he definitely killed her. He's been convicted of it, and then when someone was like, hey, maybe he didn't, they were like, no, he did. And then he was like, but maybe he didn't. And he was like, all right, let's let him out. We're going to try him again. And then they were just like, nah, we're not going to try him again. Like, it's just they gave up. The system has just given up on officially putting this to bed. Because I think everybody kind of knows yeah. that Michael Skakel did it. Clearly. It's just that there's enough money in his fucking family that they're like, well, we're not going to put any actual effort into making sure this gets solved. But we do want to make sure that even if everybody knows that Michael did it, we're going to make sure he's not in prison for it. It's this. The only way I can see this is enough backdooring, yeah. like with powerful people whose last names are probably Kennedy or Skakel, just showing up to be like, "Hey, are we really gonna do this? What again? if we just let it go?" Yeah, he's out. Let him be out. And that's the whole thing during the trial. He appeal tried to appeal for this fucking. Ugh, it was a whole thing. The trial. He he came in looking like he was wearing an ascot. That's what like painted the picture perfectly. Because he wasn't. He was wearing, like, a sweater and, like, a suit jacket over it. So it was bunched up, but it looks like he's wearing an ascot. So it's perfect. And that's what, like, Bobby Kennedy Jr. apparently was like, this is why he didn't get a fair trial. And I'm like, you can't say a rich guy looking rich is why he didn't get a fair trial. That's fucking obscene. That is the most right-wing logic I've ever heard in my life. And they're Kennedys. They're supposed to be, like, the progressive. Yeah. They're limousine liberals, though. Exactly. Like, that's my... That, that term was taught to me by a friend of mine, and it's it's never more perfectly applied than to the Kennedy. Especially the farther away we've gotten oh, yeah. from the 60s. It like, in the bad. 60s, they were revolutionary for being progressive and white, yeah. pretty much. 
like and being like Catholic. Like, I guess they they seem rich perfect. Catholics who aren't total monsters. Well, this is the Success. thing. It's the, the Kennedy myth is that in the '60s they were like you know the underdogs. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's like no, no, no. It's very, very possible and probably true that Joe Kennedy used the mob to get JFK elected in 1960. That's like an open secret. Yeah. Uh, specifically from Chicago monsters, oh, yeah. um, get like just voting with the names of dead people. Chowing down on chowing down and catfish. Catfish. Yeah. We brought it back. <laughs> we brought it back. But so uh, I guess still technically this is unsolved. But that's really where the story kind of peters out and ends. Dahlia, that's the that's the murder of Martha Moxley. Which uh, let's say it for the people to know. Uh, Michael Skankel fucking did it. Oh like, yeah, clearly. One hundred. 100%. Like, I, or it was a connection of the two of Michael and Tommy. I would also buy that, but I'm not a detective, so I don't want to theorize too quick. But it's yeah, not, again, it, it doesn't just, take a detective to figure out. Yeah, my, Michael definitely. He did, did something. Yeah. Yeah. So. And he's just. He's just living in a boot golfing. He's right probably now. living in Massachusetts or upstate New York and yeah. golfing and with his un, with unvaccinated cousins. Yeah. Exact same brand. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing. That's what makes the golf... Oh, this is what I didn't say. He's like, this is my lucky brand of golf club. Oh, God. It got me away with murder. Think of what what it'll do for my handicap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, that's good. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, we got through it. We got through it. We did it. So that's the story. Thank you so much for coming and sharing this with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. And we're...